Hi, I'm Pastor Roger Brown. God has gifted me the pleasure to pastor a dynamic, spirit-filled church called Life Changers Church International right here in Pittsburgh, Kansas. I believe God will use this sermon to impact your life and bring His greatness out of you. Man, I hope you get something out of this that will change your life. God bless you. Your time is very important, so I'm going to get right to the message. Have a wonderful day. God. Amen. We're on our Table of Unity series, and tonight's subject or topic is the Saul Syndrome. Amen. And, uh, you know, when we think about what Saul had done and what he's going through, at this part, we kind of break it down through the scriptures. I'm going to be in this part for just a little while because I've, I've, got, I've got way too much to, uh, to put out. But has anybody ever been frustrated? Irritated? You know, it, it's, it, it's like anybody ever tried to get somewhere and you left the house five minutes late already? And then somebody slow gets in front of you. Anybody ever been there? And you're irritated. And so then when you get there, you blame it on the car or the person driving the car because they made you say a bad word. (laughs) Not none of y'all. I know. And so then you think, man, what is going on? These people frustrate me and they irritate me, but think about this, it's not what they did, it was already in you. We're going to have a little fun tonight. I mean, the slow person didn't do it. It was all, what come out, uh uh-oh, was already in you to begin with. And so that little irritation, that frustration of somebody bumping you or, or, or getting the, uh, the last ho-hos <laughs> at Walmart. <laughs> like, man. <laughs> when we talk about the Saul syndrome, there was, there was many things leading up to Saul being rejected as king. And listen, when you read the story there, and I hope some of you will go back in 1 Samuel and just start, and and just start reading from about uh, chapter 9, and just uh, 1 Samuel chapter, just read the whole book, how about that? But when you start reading this and you start seeing, the Bible says that Samuel tells Saul, he says, God has chosen you, And, and God did choose Saul through the people because it's what the people wanted. And so he did choose him through the people and he put him in a position. But there were so many things that Saul began began to do through this process. And so I want to start tonight, I want to start in James. James chapter 1, I believe about verse number 13. James chapter 1. If you got your Bibles, just turn with me to James chapter 1. And I think it's verse 13. We ain't got the verses up there, that new program we got. Don't actually put the verses, but I believe it's verse 13. James chapter 1, verse 13. Are you there? Amen. The Bible says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Are y'all with me? Then when desire has conceived, It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, listen to this, brings forth death. 
Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight and we thank you. God, we thank you, Lord, for what your word is. We thank you, Lord, for what's going to happen in this place. We thank you, Lord, that minds are going to be clear. We thank you that the word is going to set forth a path. We thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you're moving us in a direction. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to this place, God, we know that you're going to move us. You're going to guide us. You're going to guard us. You're going to gird us. And you're going to put us in a pathway, Heavenly Father, Lord, where we become your disciples. Heavenly Father, Lord, that the word will be dispersed. I pray that everybody underneath the sound of my voice tonight walk away out of this place completely changed in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. <clears throat> As we begin to follow the path of salt, now we talked about Mephibosheth, we talked about the place of unity. We have to understand this one thing, that uh, unity is not something that just shows up. It doesn't just come into a room and say, hello, I'm here. My name is Unity. Everybody jump on board. <laughs> Unity is something that absolutely has to be created. You cannot expect for there to be unity unless it has been created. And so when you come into a place and you want that place of unity, if we're expecting unity with our brothers and our sisters or aunts and uncles or, or people around us and we don't have unity with God first, then the, then the thing with them is going to fail. And one of Saul's biggest problem was, was he was seeking unity from the people before he sought unity with God. And so, therefore, what Saul did in, in one of the pathways of Saul was he disobeyed God on many occasions. And let me tell you something. One of the biggest things, one of the biggest sins in the Bible, listen to me, it's not robbing a liquor store. It's disobedience. The thing that got Adam and Eve out of the garden was disobedience. That's exact. They just did. She did not. He did not. Actually, he did not obey God. It wasn't up to her. He could have said, woman, <laughs> find me a pear or something. I don't want that apple. <laughs> but because God told him, then the Bible said when God come in the cool of the day, he didn't look for Eve. Are y'all with me tonight? He was looking for Adam. He didn't come and say, Eve, where are you at? He said, Adam, where are you at? Because what God told Adam, it, it went down. He disobeyed God. And the thing about it is, as Saul came into a position, he came into a place, and yes, he, he become king. The Bible said that when Samuel anointed Saul to be king, listen, listen the Bible says that, that Saul didn't have a palace. He didn't have a home. So he went on back to his farm and just became a farmer. And it wasn't until, I think he's helping me preach. It wasn't until Jabez Gilead got into the problem that they come into that Saul actually stepped out and became king for the first time. He said, look, Jabez Gilead is surrounded by Nahash, and yes, he's coming against them, and, 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 and I want all the men who is able to fight in the battle, I want us to go out, and I want us to protect Jabez Gilead, because Saul remembered that Jabez Gilead was the tribe that absolutely gave into the tribe of Benjamin, where Saul was from, that at the time that they gave the all, all of Benjamin was about to be extinct because of because all of the virgins and all of the women was gone. And Jabez Gilead said, let me give you 300 of our women and bring them over so that Benjamin will not be extinct. And so from the tribe of Benjamin, Saul remembers this. Let me tell you something. There are people in your life that yes, yes, but you have to understand that when you were small and insignificant, they are the ones that gave to you. They are the ones that help you. They are the ones that nursed you. When you was in a place where you wasn't where you are right now and you're not as big as you are or you didn't own as many cars as you do, but you were starting out, there's people in your life that God has placed in your life at a time to help you. Those are the ones we cannot ever forget. See, sometimes we, we move on and we forget those things. I remember just starting out in ministry. And I remember <clears throat> God had called us into ministry. And me and Anna was wondering, 
how in the world we was going to do this. And God would send certain people in our life at the time to pour into our ministry. 26 years later, I'm still remembering those people who helped me at a time in my life when I was a nobody. I'm still a nobody, but at the time in my life when I couldn't get 15 people to sit in the room and listen to me preach. <laughs> those times when we started out small. Those places, sometimes when I would go into those churches, uh, praise God, and I would just be fired up. I would pray all night. Uh, I would read all day. Uh, and we would drive sometimes an hour to the church, and I'd be praying in tongues all the way, and I'd get there, and 10 people would show up. And I would look out there, and I would think, man, I wish more people would show up. And God said, don't worry about people. Just preach it. And it's people like that that, that gave into our lives and into the ministry. And Saul, the first time he stepped over to become king, he's still living at the farmhouse. And he says, look, we're going to go into battle. He says, matter of fact, and he called and nobody showed up. Kind of feels like me sometimes. <laughs> nobody shows up. And so Saul said, I tell you what, so he went and got an oxen. And, and he, he took those oxen, several oxen, and he cut them into pieces. And he put them on platters. And he sent them to everybody's houses. And, and if when they opened up the door, the first thing they saw was legs and hooves and heads and tails of oxen all laid out. And they thought, what in the world is this? And Saul said, Saul said this is going to be you if you don't show up in battle because I'll, I'll take every one of you and I'll fillet you and put you out on the porch. Woo! Can't say that on Facebook now. You get in jail. Everybody gets offended. So, so what happened was they got into battle, and the story goes they went in and they defeated, and Saul became king. And the Bible says now Saul's been king for two years. As Saul's been king for two years, uh, he starts moving down into a place he starts getting uh, hurt. He starts getting jealous. You know, the Bible says in Psalm, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, the Bible says that jealousy is as cruel as a grave. And what happens a lot of times, sometimes, is jealousy comes in, and jealous just doesn't come in and say, Hi, I'm jealous. <laughs> it just kind of creeps in and says, well, you've been saved for, what, 10 years, and they've been saved for 15 days? Look what God's done for them. He ain't doing nothing for you. Well, so-and-so got saved, and somebody gave them a car. they only been saved for 20 days. You've been saved for two years. Nobody in that church even knows who you are. Well, isn't it funny? So-and-so got saved, and all of a sudden they got promoted. They got a new job. They even got married. And I've been looking for a man or a woman for two years. <laughs> Listen, it happens so much more in the church than what we know. We start coming to church and examining ourselves by how somebody else lives. We start coming in and examining ourselves by how somebody else is doing. And then we sit through testimony service and somebody's telling us how much God has helped them and we walked out mad. Well, God ain't never helped me like that. And the thing about it is, is what the enemy's trying to do is he's trying to destroy that unity between you and God. When Saul started disobeying God, Saul started hearing God's voice less and less and less. Let me tell you something. Do you remember that time when you was just hearing God all the time and you was calling your friend, my God, I was driving to work and I hurt God. I mean, he's amazing. And now he comes in and we're thinking, well, I don't know what God's saying. I'm trying to hear him and I can't hear God. And the thing about it is, is because when you start disobeying God and moving out from God, the unity of God and God's start speaking less and less. You know why God starts speaking less and less? Because he don't want to hear just himself talk. So the, the, the story goes in the book of Genesis that when God hauled out, called out, he said, Abraham, Abraham. 
And somebody's saying, well, God called twice. Well, the thing about it is, is that when God spoke Abraham, it came into the planet Earth, boom, and it come back and echoed, come back and said, Abraham. And the thing about it is, is when God speaks, he wants you to speak back. Don't listen to me. Listen to me. Speak back the word. Because God's word is, is not void. And so when God speaks, just speak back that word and just bring that word back to his remembrance. And the Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. And if we believe in what his word says, we got to speak back what his word says. You got to tell God what he said, because if he's not a liar and if he won't ever lie, if God said it, he'll do it. <laughs> And anything you ever read in the Bible, let me, let me tell you something. Let me just help you. If you've read it in the Bible, you can do it. Because it is the truth. If you ever read in there where a blind man got healed, guess what? You can be healed. If you read in there where a lame man got healed, guess what? You can walk again. If a deaf got healed, you can hear again. If a dead man died and raised up, you can raise up too because it is the power of God. And Saul's going through the motions and he's going through the motions and the syndrome. So the syndrome, uh, praise God, the S-I-N, the thing that got in that Saul didn't remove. And the thing that, that, that broke everything was when God said, uh, I want you to go to the Amalekites uh, and I want you to destroy them. I want you to wipe them off the face of the earth. Uh, we say, how in the world does God want to wipe somebody off the face of the earth? Well, first of all, it's a different dispensation. And second of all, thank God for grace. And so, because he's remembering that when Moses come out of Egypt, he's remembering that the Amnichites was the very first ones who to, to come against Moses. And Moses defeated the Amnichites, but after he defeated them, they went around and hid, and they would come back and they would do sneak attacks. They would come behind him, not in front of him, but behind him, praise God, and they would do sneak attacks, and they would steal chickens and, and steal goats, and they would rob stuff, praise God, and they would just, just do all kinds of crazy things. I remember reading a Facebook post uh, just the other day of, of a memory. And about two years ago, we'd come in here and there was no heat. And I was saying, I need, it was on Sunday morning. And we was all freezing to death and we was all shivering. And I was thinking, man, I got to get a hold of the heat people. And I mean, just I can't get a hold of nobody. And so we had church. And I finally got a hold of that uh, uh, CDL, I think's what I put on my deal. And so they come out and checked everything and found out that some Yahoo walked over here to our unit and turn the gas off. I was reading my Facebook post and I thought, oh, I remember that. I was mad. So the heat's working fine. Somebody just turned. And that's just like an old Amalekite. Just to do a sneak attack and come. Have you ever had some people to do some things like that? And all of a sudden, it just brings that rage out of you. <laughs> my good, my good. I remember setting over when I first came to Pittsburgh in 2013. Matter of fact, I was just setting up. And I remember there was a pastor. I'm not going to say his name. He's not even pastoring anymore right now. But we were sitting over, and he pulled up to the table, and he looked at me. And he, I mean, right in the eyeballs. And he said, the last thing we need in Pittsburgh is another church. Seriously. He said, we got a town of 20,000 people and we've already got 37 churches. Did you know you'll be 38? <laughs> listen, listen, hang on. It gets good. Because in my mind, I daydreamed of throat punching him and grabbing him by the hair of the head, listen, yanking him out and kicking him till my legs wore out. Pastor, I daydreamed it. <laughs> I didn't do it. Listen, 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 listen. <laughs> I feel embarrassed telling this, but it's the truth. Why do you want to do all that? Because I'm only 5'6". So when I hit them, I got to hit them good. And when they fall down, I got to make sure they don't get up. I've done been in this scenario way too many times. So I'm daydreaming this. But... God didn't show me then, but what I'm seeing now 
is all that was already in me. Listen, there, there's so much stuff that is still in us. We are a work in progress. I remember they used to sing that song in Booster Band, working on a building. God's working on a building. Y'all, y'all remember? Don't I sing good? And, and we are a work in progress. I understand that. But there were some things that you dealt with 30 years ago. Honey, come on. Seriously, come on, grow up, get away from it. Get, step into that place with God and get some of those stuff and get it rooted out. But at the same time, there was still stuff that is in you that's been handed down. It's called transgressions. The Bible says, David said, Lord, forgive me of my iniquities and my transgressions. There are two types of sin. They are transgressions and iniquities, and they fall into line. Iniquities is sins that is just Justified. What's justified? Just as if I had no sin. And that's why Jesus said he would look at you and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I knew you not. Because we can come to church and live with stuff, live with our pet sins. Can I preach Pentecostal holiness just for about three minutes? And we live with pet sins and pet stuff, and we know, we know that we have justified. We've looked at somebody else and judged them for the same thing that we are doing in secret. I didn't say that. Romans chapter 2 said that. He said, be careful. For the ones that are judging you are doing the same thing in secret. My God, I'm getting on it tonight. Praise God. And the thing about it is, is we are dealing with some stuff, but we're not dealing with it with God. We're trying to deal with it, praise God, by coming to church and looking good and dressing up good and singing good and getting everything on and getting our groove on and everything going on. And we still do not deal with what is going on because it's a heart problem and we know that, 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 that we have justified some stuff. And then there's transgressions. Now, these are the sins that God doesn't completely hold against you, but when they're revealed, he says you got to do something with them. These are sins that's been handed down. Well, I don't know why I get so mad all the time. Well, I don't know why. I just feel lazy four days out of the week. <laughs> These are sins, listen, that through the bloodline, do, listen to me, do, do not miss this concept, understand this, that the enemy runs down through the bloodline and he tries to hand things. They're called generational curses. And sometimes we haven't figured them out. And they're called trying. These are the things that God's not totally, completely holding against you. But at the same time, David said, Lord, forgive me for my iniquities and my transgression. I don't know how I got off on this. But, 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 but the thing about it is, is we're looking at the big picture over here and thinking, well, somebody sinning because they was at the beer joint. Somebody might have been sinning because they was at the ho-ho line and God said, don't do it. <laughs> hey, if God says get off sugar, get off sugar. <laughs> I could drop the mic. <laughs> I done took the offering up. You can't. You can't judge somebody by looking at them the, by what you think. If God told you something, maybe he hadn't told them just yet. You got to take care of your own self. The Bible says uh, we got to uh, move with our own selves toward God and not what somebody else said. We have to keep this in check and keep this in line. And Saul is moving down. Uh, and so he comes against the Amalekites. Uh, and Amalekites. Amalekites, praise God. <clears throat> and he's the alley cats and the house cats. And, and he comes and he says, I remember what Moses, Moses cursed them when he come out. 
because they kept stealing and they kept coming. They wouldn't like the Philistines. See, the Philistines was totally different. The Philistines were savage people. They would, they would walk right up to you in Walmart and bump your car to, and then hit you in the mouth and blame it on you because they wanted to fight. They would stand toe-to-toe in front of you. They didn't hide. But the Amalekites, they would sneak around, and they would hide, and they would come in. And so they harassed Israel. And so Moses said, when we get into the promised land, he said, we're going to deal with the Amalekites. He said, I curse them, and they will not ever, not ever, not ever, not ever, not ever make it past the day when I come against them. And so now they come over, and God remembers his promise. And he tells Saul, he said, the first thing I want you to do is deal with the Amalekites because you got to understand they are the descendants of Ishmael and it's been a fight and a battle with Ishmael and Isaac all all the days just because Abraham had moved them out of the way and he chose Isaac and now Ishmael and his descendants and the Amalekites it's been a battle and God said we're going to deal with them let me tell you something right now those that are listening online and those that are here I'm telling you right now God's about to deal with some stuff this been haunting your life and been haunting you for years and you come to the altar and trying to figure it out now you know the answer get up and take care of the Amalekites get up and remove them out of your life and so Saul goes Samuel gives him instructions he said I want you to go down and listen this is what he says to him This is a different time, but God said, I want you to destroy every man, every woman, every child, every infant, every oxen, every donkey, every chicken, every pig. Deal with it all. Wipe them out. Remove them. Saul goes down and he goes into battle. And when he goes into battle, he gets into battle. And listen to me, you got to understand, he's, he's trying to unify with the people. Let me say this again. I can't say this enough. If you can't unify with God first, don't try to come to church and unify with somebody else. Because, because it's, not, it's not going to happen. If you ain't got that true unity between you and God, that unity between you and God is that one mind, that one accord, that unity, that standing. I'm not saying that you won't ever mess up or you won't ever come into a place of sin, but what I'm telling you is we got to be quick to repentance and we got to understand where we've messed up and we can't get out of that line of unity. You can't come in and just talk to anybody any way you want to and treat people any way. I see it all the time. People just treating people bad and 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 then not ever come to the place and say i'm sorry i messed up i shouldn't have did that those kind of people we can deal with but those other kind of people is the ones that you want to do like i want to do in the restaurant you want to throw punch them (laughs) now you can't i want to make this clear because some people on facebook says well pastor said i throat punch you no i didn't I said, you want to, but that spirit's not a good spirit. So he goes into battle, and the Bible says that when he defeats the Amalekites and he destroys everything except for the best oxen, he keeps the best sheep, he keeps the best lambs, the best donkeys. Listen to this. And then he takes Agag alive. Let me tell somebody real quick. You better kill Agag. He takes Agag alive. Because all the people says, well, why is it when we go into battle, we can't really have any good spoil? We just got to turn everything loose. And what all the other kings and all the other nations, uh, they always get the best of the best. Uh, and they take and they use it. Uh, and, 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 and so now, why don't we just go ahead? Listen, you're not like everybody else. 
You can't come to church and ask God to come into your life and still try to live like the world. It's either God or the world. There ain't no riding the fence. The Bible says sweet water and bitter water doesn't flow out of the same faucet. And we got to come to the realization that it's right or wrong. There is no gray in between. And some people try to live their life like that and they're not in unity with God. So, God speaks to Samuel. He says, go down and tell Saul I have rejected him. Samuel's praying all night. First of all, Samuel's probably about 5'9", and Saul's 7 foot. <laughs> I pray too. <laughs> he says, go tell him that I have rejected him as king. Listen to this. Because when Saul went into battle, not only did he take Agag and take him back to Israel, because, see, the heathen kings would take you, pluck your eyes out, and bring you back into town, tie you up, and they would all laugh at you. It's what they did to Samson. They took Samson and seized him and plucked his eyes out, put him in the palace, and while they drunk their wine and stood across, he was a blind man with no eyes, and they laughed at him, and they mocked at him, and they made fun of him, and said, look what we've done. This man thought he was something, and so he wanted to be like the heathens. Come on, somebody. You can't be like the heathens. You are different. The syndrome, the syndrome, the syndrome that's been handed down to Saul is walking in, and so he's trying to be like a heathen nation when God said you can't be like a heathen nation and he steps up when he gets into battle Samuel says when you defeat the battle he said wait for me till I show up and so Saul stood there and so he waited for a few days and Samuel didn't show up so the Bible said he took all the oxen that he preserved and he made sacrifice and he acted as a priest and God said enough is enough So he rejected him as king. The very one of the last things that Saul did was he said, Samuel, stay here and pray for me. And Samuel said, I can't pray for you. God has rejected you. Matter of fact, he told him, he said, God has chose another man with a heart after him. And he told Saul, he said, you are foolish. He said, you did a foolish thing. He said, don't you know that God would have dealt with you and if you would have died, then your blood would have still been in the throne and Jonathan would have stepped up in your position. But when you put yourself over to a position and you step into a place that is sacred and you try to become something that you're not when you're acting, he said, God said he's done and he's going to listen to me. I need somebody to hear me. Saul walked into a position, into a place in his life and he didn't listen to what God was saying. When sin is conceived, it's not until it becomes, listen to me, it's not until it becomes full grown. So you can walk out here today and say, Roger just thinks he can preach, but he can't. And then get home and God say, you better repent. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. <laughs> so why it was small and why is it little? It can be removed. But when you sit and linger until that thing becomes full grown. And let me tell you something. A lot of church people are dealing with this stuff today. They're dealing with hurt and mad. Let me tell you something. Praise God. Everybody say, I love the preacher. I hadn't said that in a long time. Praise God. Say it louder. I love the preacher. What happens is, is sometimes when people are 20 or 30 years in church and they've already uh, moved to one church and to another church uh, and to this church and, and time they've been saved for about 30 years, uh, they, they've already been involved in about three or four churches. Uh, and every church that they went out of, uh, somebody made them mad. Uh, somebody upset them. Uh, somebody aggravated them. And they never got past that place. Uh, and so they're sitting in church trying to figure out why God uh, isn't blessing them. Uh, and the thing about it is, uh, it's because iniquity has abound. Uh, and not only iniquity, but now transgression has set in. And now our sins have become 30 years old and full grown. And we're trying to figure out how in the world can I not get past this place? And God says, you got to come to the table of unity and you need to get it right with me and I'll get it right with them. 
So listen to this. Listen to this. I'm winding this down. Listen. 500 years later. Somebody say 500 years later. <laughs> Man, that's a long time. How I many Methuselah only lived to be, what, 969? <laughs> 500 years later. 500 years later. There was a little girl by the name of Esther. The Bible says that Mordecai said, let's get you in as queen because I feel like that the Jews are about to be distinct. And there was an evil man by the name of Haman. Matter of fact, when you go back to Agag, King Agag, that's not his name. That's just a name for a king. Agag is what the Amalekites called His name uh, was Hamandala. And when God said, I want you to get rid. <laughs> when they was too busy looking at the best oxen and the best donkeys, uh, historians uh, say uh, that, what, that either he wanted his wives because kings had many wives uh, or one of his concubines uh, that was pregnant got away. When you, listen, if you don't deal with it now, when it's conceived and it becomes full grown, the enemy has more patience than you do. He is sat and waited on you and that tragedy that happened to you at nine years old and here you are about to turn 40 and you never thought of it again and, 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 you, and you thought you was over it and all of a sudden he lay dormant for all them years and he raises his head up and says, says you won't ever be a nobody. I know what happened to you. I know who rejected you. I know who left you because he's waiting patiently. I'm telling you right now, Satan has patience. We are the ones that's impatient. We come to church, we pray about it, and time we get to McDonald's parking lot and it ain't happen, we're mad. <laughs> and 500 years later, Haman, a descendant. Listen, they don't call him an Amalekite. When you read in the book of Esther, they call him an Agat. He comes up and the first thing he wants to do because that same spirit's been handed down and just like Amalekites and the descendants of Ishmael wanted to destroy anything that had to do with God, 500 years later, that thing that they didn't deal with then, it shows up. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, thank God for the Esther's. <laughs> and here's the thing about it, the syndrome, the things that we are battling with, the things that we are being confused with, we blame them on all kinds of things, but the thing about it is, and this is what God has been dealing with me all week, is we need unity. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of waiting on whether the Republicans or whether the Republic or the Democrats come up with a solution. Let me tell you something. The only solution is God, and if we don't come back into it, we're not going to see God heal. And the church has got to figure it out. I, I have enough sense to know that I don't think that the Baptists or the Presbyterians are ever going to believe like me. I don't need them to believe like me. I just need to come into a unity to know that we're serving the same God. We're on the same purpose. Praise God. Do you remember 2019? 19, my God. 2019, we are transitioning and we're going into 2020. And I told you that it's perfect vision. 2020 is perfect vision, but this is what I said also, is that 2020 is the alignment. This is where God aligns us. If you take 20 and put it up on top of 20, it aligns. 
You can't put 21 or 22 on top of 20 and expect alignment. God said, this is a year. I will bring alignment to the church. And then the enemy shows up and brings a pandemic, and all the church gets all flustered. And then we talk about, well, I ain't going back down there to that church. I'll get COVID. But we'll go to the movies. We'll go to Walmart, to the bowling alley. We'll go to the beach. And the enemy is trying to bring that alignment out. But the thing about it is, is God ain't shaking because there's a pandemic. God is saying, I hope somebody finds out that I want to bring unity. I hope somebody finds out that I want to create this thing. Because unity isn't just going to show up because we're having a bad day. It's got to be created. It's got to be forced. It's got to be reminded. It's got to be fought for. It's got to be dealt with. Because it's the number one thing that brings you into place with God. God, because where there's two or three gathered together in my name, believing and touching anything, God said, I will do it. There's got to be a wholeness. So the soft syndrome, he's chasing, he's trying to figure out, and God looks down, and he says, I have rejected Saul. Because he has disobeyed me. Because he stepped into a sacred position and he tried to become what I've never called him to be. Now, I know we read in the Bible where Solomon gets sacrifices, David even gets sacrifices. But when you read that, you realize uh, that the uh, priests and the Levites was there. They just commanded it. They didn't do it. But Saul took upon himself to lay the oxen on the altar and cut the oxen and, and took upon himself uh, to stand into a position and become what he's not. I need to tell somebody, listen to me, listen to me. If, if you don't have unity with God, uh, what's going to happen? is you're going to try to force yourself into doing something that God never said do. Primary thing. One time in 2000, a church come and asked me and said, will you be my pastor? And I thought, yeah. I mean, God's called me to preach. And I remember I got prophesied over one time and they said, they said God's called you to be a pastor. And I thought, wow. So they said, will you be my pastor? And I said, yeah. So I told Ann, I said, we're going to pastor a church. Tanner Lane was a little bitty. Matter of fact, they took and put our picture on a billboard on Highway 69, right, out of, right, right, right there in Calera, Oklahoma, coming out of uh, 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 Durant. I mean, a huge sign. I mean, huge. Had me holding Anna's hand and had Tanner Lane in their little suits, and they're standing there. And every time I pass by there, I think. I mean, I took this little church about eight people. Listen, three months later, we went from eight people to about 75. And I mean, it was just, I mean, it was stumping. It was bump. I mean, it was, and I mean, every time I stepped behind a pulpit, I was just miserable. And I mean, I, I just think, what in the world is going on? And I asked God one day, I said, what in the world is going on? He said, I didn't tell you to do this. <laughs> Listen, I didn't, mm -mm. I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, resign. And I told Anna, we had a Sunday morning service. We were driving home. I, I looked at Hannah, and we were just driving down the road, and I said, I'm going to resign tonight. She said, good. <laughs> Seriously. And I said, okay. She said, but I ain't going. I said, you ain't going? She said, no, I ain't going. And she didn't. And I showed up to church, and I preached, and I mean, the power of God. And, and I mean, while I was preaching, I mean, people were shouting. I could feel the anointing. I thought, my God, I shouldn't resign. I, I, I mean, God, you're, you're in this. And, and all of a sudden, God spoke to me, and he said, that's my anointing, but it's not for here. So I remember when it was all over with, 
I said, listen, guys, this is my last sermon to preach. I'm going to resign. I kid you not. I can't make this up. They stood up and hand clapped. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I'm like, well, somebody going to cry? They stood up. I come home and I told Anna, she goes, really? I said, yeah. she goes, well, that was rude to them. I said, I know. <laughs> That's a prime example of not being in unity with God. Listen to me. We take what God has given us and we try to do something else with it. All Saul had to do was just obey and quit listening to everybody else. Listen to me. Listen to me. You got to move some people out of your life. I know some of you are dealing with some stuff, and I know when some of this program is going to be over with, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I can't. Let me tell you something. Those people need to not be in your life. There are some people you're going to have to cut off. Some of you are sitting here right now, and you need to delete some of them off Facebook. Come on, somebody. Some of you are sitting here right now, and you need to not ever call them again, not ever text them again. You need to walk away and cut the tide and cut the cord and walk away and keep on walking because I'm telling you right now if they are dragging you down and they are moving out of you and if God says don't do it, then you better step out of the picture and you better listen to God and not do it. I don't care how long, I don't care how strong you think you are. Some people get saved and three weeks later they feel like they're Superman and they feel like they can take on everybody. But the thing about it is if you're not staying in unity with God, you'll listen to what everybody else is saying and you'll fall away. And I don't care how strong you are. Get around the wrong people and the sin gets conceived. And then you get pregnant with sin even after it is born, it's not until it becomes full grown. See, Abraham had to deal with this. And it comes to please. He jumped ahead of God. And he allowed Hagar to come in unto him because he thought he was going to bring forth a man-child. And after the angel came and after Sarah got pregnant. The Bible said that one day Sarah walked out into the playground and she watched Ishmael be mean to Isaac. She said, like an old mama bear, that ain't happening. She told Abraham, she said, you get rid of her or I'm leaving. Abraham had to make a choice that day. Listen, listen real close. Between his mistake and his promise. What do you do when you've been attached to your mistake? And one day you have to make a decision. Your mistake or your promise. We have to stay in unity with God. Every step of the way. Because the Saul syndrome is lurking in the church and the enemy is waiting and depending on you to get weak enough to where you fall out of unity with God. And when you fall out of unity with God, it's a whole lot easier to get out of whatever program you're in and go find your old friends again. When you get out of unity with God, it's really easy 
to go back into that same situation, that bad marriage, that bad relationship, it's really easy to fall back into it because Christian people are the worst to condemn you and tell you. Listen to me. Listen to me. Put the camera right here. If you are in a bad marriage, don't talk to somebody who's never been married. If your kids are behaving, don't talk to somebody who's never had kids. If your job is falling down, don't talk to somebody who was struggling with their own job. If your career is not taking off, don't talk to somebody who started 15 careers. We tend to chase after that feeling. REO Speedwagon said, can't fight this feeling anymore. You better fight it. Because if it ever gets a hold of you. It's like we're just. We're trying to feel our way. And the Saul syndrome. Saul became king and was a good king for two years. But in the process of two years. He kept going downhill. And when Samuel approached him about making a sacrifice, he blamed everybody else. David made more mistakes than Saul ever made, but he was the quickest man to repentance. He was chasing after God's heart. When the prophet Nathan walked in and told him what he did, he fell down at his feet. He repented. He went into his house. And the Bible said he didn't eat nothing else until Beersheba had the child. And when she had the child that was born, that was conceived in sin, the Bible said he got up. He washed his face. He went over to the king's table and he started eating. And everybody just looked around and thought, oh my God, he's crazy. But when the child didn't make it, David got up and thanked God that he was still living through his sins. Some of you in here today need to understand what I'm telling you tonight. You better thank God that he didn't deal with you for what you did. Focus on where you can get better with God. Find that unity with him. Because when you have unity with him, then the unity with your brothers and sisters will become stronger. And if we really want unity, we got to come together and combine ourselves together and get ready for the alignment that God is doing in the church. Look at your neighbor and say alignment. Every head bowed, no one looking.